0: Hello and welcome to the ORX News Podcast, a podcast from ORX, where we cover the top five largest losses of the month, as well as key current operational risk topics from across the globe. We illustrate the key topics discussed with news stories, especially curated by the ORX News team. In this month's episode, we'll take a brief look at September's top five largest losses, as well as returning to the pressing issue of climate. Specifically, we will discuss the latest global initiatives and pledges to address climate change, an update on DWS's recent greenwashing settlement, a growing trend of lawsuits against firms indirectly associated with the climate crisis, including an update on the Brazilian mining company Vale, ESG, and green investments in the financial sector. All sources used in this episode will be linked in the show notes. I'm Fernanda Hussemano Ashcroft, News Assistant Manager for Editorial, and today I'm joined by Senior News Researcher Stanker and News Researcher Joseph. Over to you, Joseph, for September Stop 5.
1: Thanks, Fern. In fifth place is Direct Line Group. The UK FCA ordered DLG to pay £30 million back to customers it had overcharged for renewing car or home insurance. At number four is Interactive Brokers. The US SEC and the CFTC fined Interactive Brokers Corporation and its associate, Interactive Brokers LLC, $35 million and $20 million respectively over the widespread use of unapproved communication methods, record-keeping violations, and failures to prevent and detect those breaches. The combined fine totaled $55 million. In third is Shinhan Bank, the New York State DFS, and the U.S. Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, FDIC, announced combined penalties of $25 million for Shinhan's repeated systemic violations of the Bank Secrecy Act and AML regulations. Shinhan had already spent $50 million on remediation efforts, bringing the total loss to $75 million. In second is Signa. The U.S. Department of Justice announced that Signa Group was to pay $172.3 million to settle claims it submitted false patient diagnoses to defraud the federal Medicare program. September's largest loss is awarded to Mixin Network, a Hong Kong-based open-source peer-to-peer transactional network for digital assets, which suffered a hack causing it to lose $200 million worth of assets.
0: The issue of climate change is normally depicted in alarming terms, And the summer of 2023 was no different, with July labelled the warmest month ever recorded, with soaring temperatures causing havoc across the globe, culminating in the UN Secretary-General Antonio Guterres declaring the era of global warming has ended, the era of global boiling has arrived. A new study from the Victoria University of Wellington in New Zealand recently estimated the damage caused by the climate crisis through extreme weather to have cost $16 million an hour for the past 20 years. Data from 2022 alone estimates costs of $280 billion caused by storms, floods, heat waves, droughts, huge wildfires and loss of property, excluding loss of life of course. The university researchers produced the estimates by combining data on how much global heating aggravated extreme weather events with economic data on losses. In the same sobering statement from Guterres, he says, and I quote, we must turn a year of burning heat into a year of burning ambition, calling for immediate climate action, particularly from the G20-leading industrial nations responsible for 80% of global emissions. So, ahead of the G20 summit in September this year, the IMF and the World Bank issued a rare joint statement, pledging to increase their cooperation to address climate change, debt vulnerabilities and the global digital transitions with a more structured and institutionalized approach focusing on three pressing issues. First of all, climate change. In practical terms, the World Bank updated its core mandate, putting climate as one of its main areas of focus, building on an ongoing multi-year engagement on climate action and development. The IMF established the Resilience and Sustainability Trust, which provides middle-income countries with affordable financing on climate resilience and transition projects. Both institutions set up the Bank Fund Climate Advisory Group, which is tasked with ensuring coordination of their climate-related work streams, and pledged to incorporate climate considerations in their ongoing work on debt sustainability. In fact, debt is another area of focus for both institutions. The current context of growing debt vulnerabilities calls for stronger collaboration between the IMF and the World Bank, building and leveraging on their respective areas of expertise. Both institutions pledged to enhance their collaborative work to help prevent further build-up of debt vulnerabilities, assisting countries to strengthen debt management, transparency and public finances, as well as deepen their support to creditors and debtors around debt restructuring. The last point of focus was digital transition, an area which simultaneously provides huge challenges as well as enormous potential for growth, creation of jobs, development and problem-solving. Again, leveraging on their individual areas of expertise, the World Bank is currently working with governments in emerging and developing countries to address regulatory and infrastructure limitations to digital inclusion. The Bank is supporting the implementation of low-cost payment systems and the digitalization of government services and operations. And the IMF is focusing on supporting digital transformation in the financial sector to promote wider use of new financial technologies while maintaining the integrity and stability of the financial system. And both institutions pledged to enhance their joint work to help countries increase the effectiveness of income collection and expenditure systems in governments and reap the benefit of new technologies while mitigating the risks. The pledges and actions by the IMF and the World Bank are likely to be closely monitored by global firms, climate activists and governments, as well as the United Nations. This sentiment is clearly expressed by Guterres again when he calls for action regarding net zero goals. He says, and I quote, No more greenwashing, no more deception and no more abusive distortion, of antitrust laws to sabotage net zero alliances.
2: I think the emphasis on monitoring and supervision is really welcome. We know that investors are aware of these issues and pushing for green responsible investment. Firms are happy to promote themselves using climate-friendly ESG-focused rhetoric but often fall short when it comes to actually delivering. The recent settlement by DWS with the SEC is a great example. This was a long time coming. The investigation was started a few years ago, they set aside a provision for it in their half-year report and ended up being fined some $19 million in September. But newly released court documents reveal some interesting details. DWS advertised itself as a leader in the ESG investment space and even made its ESG integration policy available to investors. At the center of its ESG integration was the so-called ESG Engine, a proprietary tool that aggregated data from third parties into ratings from A to F based on several criteria, such as overall ESG quality, carbon and water risk, and controversial business conduct. The firm widely advertised its use of the tool, claiming publicly that every single DWS investment team used it to make investment decisions for their portfolio but there was no way to actually verify that these ratings were taken into account by analysts. The engine was also supplemented by ESG research, allegedly, though there was, again, no way to check what ESG criteria had been considered during research. The research notes were checked on an ad hoc basis by the ESG integration team, one single employee based in Frankfurt. By late 2020, senior members within an expanded ESG integration team identified certain gaps in the implementation of the integration policy. A sample quality check for January to November 2020 showed that, of the sample, only about 50% of the active equity research notes and 21% of fixed income research notes mentioned ESG criteria at all. Without making any efforts to correct its marketing materials and investor correspondence, DWS began taking steps to rectify the issues, though the brunt of the remedial actions were not taken until September 2021, two years after the integration policy was made available to investors. DWS has now revised its quality assurance process for research notes, um, conducted ESG training, reviewed its portfolios, created new corporate bodies to oversee ESG capabilities, and finally clarified supervisory responsibilities around its integration policy. But this was the culmination of a long battle fought by regulators in the US and Germany, including raids by prosecutors in Frankfurt. Another key player are consumer interest groups. The Baden-Württemberg Consumer Watchdog first filed a lawsuit against DWS in October 2022. The suit pointed to a number of misleading claims about the firm's Invest ESG Climate Tech Fund. Many were unverifiable, including that the fund would not invest in companies active in controversial sectors such as coal or armament. While the watchdog did not manage to secure a monetary settlement, DWS did agree to withdraw its misleading statements from advertisement. This did not stop the firm from becoming a target from climate activists who stormed a building in June to stop some $18 billion in financing to coal, oil, and gas companies.
0: There is an increase of lawsuits filed by climate activists all over the world. Climate activists, particularly from marginalised communities, are using federal courts in the US, national courts in their own countries, and international courts such as the European Court of Human Rights, the Inter-American Court of Human Rights, the International Tribunal for the Law of the Sea, and the International Court of Justice as another route to drive faster policy changes. The ongoing case against the Brazilian mining company Valley is a great example of such lawsuit, with a recent proposed class action filed in a New York federal court in September this year. The class alleges that between 2004 and 2023, Merrill Lynch, Barclays Capital, Citigroup Global Markets, J.P. Morgan and J.P. Morgan Securities provided a series of loans to Valley totaling nearly $12.2 billion dollars and also partnered with other financial institutions to provide Valley with an additional $5 billion line of credit. The class added that without this funding, the construction, operation and expansion of Valley's dams wouldn't have been possible because Valley didn't have the financial resources to continue its systemic decimation of the environment in the region. This tragic story began with the infamous collapse of two of Valley's dams. The Mariana Dam collapsed in 2015, and Brumadinho in January 2019. When the Brumadinho Dam collapsed, it released nearly 12 million cubic tons of toxic mining waste, equivalent to the volume of 50,000 Olympic-sized swimming pools. The toxic waste, buried alive over 150 people, caused the death of another 120 people and poisoned several rivers all of which led to the catastrophic environmental, social and economic devastation which continues to this day and shows no sign of easing as Valley continues to operate numerous unsafe dams and recently acquired a license to build a new one. Just to clarify, the class action is not seeking damages against previous dam disasters involving Valley. It's instead seeking to hold accountable those who harm the Brazilian environment, directly or indirectly. The class is able to sue in a New York federal court because the lender's financial agreements with Valley state that debt securities are to be governed by New York law. Previously, in 2022, the SEC charged Valley with making false and misleading disclosures about the safety of its dams prior to the collapse of Brumadinho. Vale was also fined by a Brazilian regulator for issuing fraudulent stability certificates for Brumadinho before it collapsed. As of September 2023, the fines to Vale over the collapse of Brumadinho amount to just over $73 million. Earlier this month, we saw another type of direct action against an institution with alleged indirect association with the climate crisis. Hundreds of climate activists from Greenpeace and Extinction Rebellion held protests outside Rabobank branches across the Netherlands, calling for the bank to stop financing industrial agriculture, citing enormous consequences in Brazil and the Netherlands, and also calling for compensation for the damage caused by such intense practices. Protesters blocked several entrances to the bank's headquarters, stating that they were allowing employees to leave not to enter the premises, and others climbed balls to hang banners over the bank logo and carried signs displaying messages such as this question. Rabobank, proud sponsor of the climate crisis? We covered other examples of climate activism against firms in previous ORX News climate roundups, including disruptions to AGMs earlier this year. New subscribers can access the full news articles, climate roundups, as well as a deep dive on Valley on the news website.
2: It really is high time that this issue was taken seriously by international organisations and governments alike. You've spoken about how costly and devastating the real-life consequences of climate change can be. This is one key area where regulators can and should take action to ensure that firms actually meet the demands that are already being pushed by consumers. Many, like the SEC, are focusing on closing the gap between investors' demand and what firms are actually delivering. According to the 2023 Fidelity International ESG Analyst Survey, 60% of analysts estimate that companies promote ESG credentials that are not backed by action. These findings show that, in terms of greenwashing, the financial industry is in line with other sectors like cosmetics and clothing, according to research by the Australian Competition Consumer Commission. Pretty much every single major investment manager will have launched an ESG or climate focused fund by now. Just last month, BlackRock and the Singapore Exchange have launched a new climate action fund with 426 million in assets under management, adding to the existing 2.7 trillion market of ESG funds. What with this new wave of ESG investment and ESG funds forming, greenwashing has become a key regulatory priority. Just last month, on the 20th of September, the SEC has introduced new rules regarding fund names to ensure that they align with the contents of the portfolio. This applies to all funds and covers terms such as value and growth, but it will be particularly relevant for funds that have ESG in the title. Climate-specific disclosures are currently being discussed as well, which would cover registration statements and periodic reports. The Australian Competition and Consumer Commission has also released draft guidance in July to improve the integrity of environmental claims made by businesses. The S&P has removed ESG indicators from its credit ratings after they were scrutinized for transparency and consistency. This hints at the core of the problem. There is no standardised enforceable definition or understanding of what ESG criteria cover and what responsible investment means. As these grow in popularity, so there's the gap between what consumers expect when they hear this kind of language and what firms can deliver.
0: Thanks, Thanka, For further details about ORX, go to orx.org. Watch out for the next edition of the ORX News Climate Roundup coming soon. New subscribers can access all of the stories mentioned as well as a deep dive on Valley and an in-focus piece on DWS on the news website. The links to the relevant sources used in this podcast will be added to the show notes. You can find this free podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Simply search for the ORX Operational Risk Podcast to find us. And don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And thanks for listening. I hope you can join us next time.